Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for being with us again today. It is 61 degrees right now here in New York City, and it looks like it's going to be another beautiful day here in Gotham at this hour. More than 264,000 people moved to New York City in the past year. This according to the real uh, deal or real estate data. And they're coming in from all over. 35% of these New Yorkers came from abroad and 65% from within the United States. What is the draw and the attraction? We will break it down also at this hour. So you are running out of room in your apartment and you think it is time to expand and start looking for a new place, but you love your apartment, you love your building and your neighborhood and don't really want to move. So what are your options? We will tell you. But first, you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate and I am your host, Vince Rocco. Uh, And again, thank you for being with us this morning. In the news, across the harbor from the tip of Manhattan, the Quay Tower has been quietly and steadily rising. The 28-story condominium project at the southern end of Brooklyn Bridge Park has recently topped out, and the facade is now eight stories above street level. The official uh, uh, address will be 50 Bridge Park in Brooklyn Heights. The building is being developed through a joint venture with RAL Companies, Oliver's Realty Group, and Von K U.S. Construction uh, at Extel's 138 Willoughby, a.k.a. Brooklyn Point, is moving along quickly with concrete now at the 10th floor, once open the skyscraper will complete the City Point mega development in downtown Brooklyn. The mixed-use multi-building expansion has already produced two residential towers and a 600,000-square-foot retail space with a food market, grocery store, event space, and movie theater. One of the best comforts of living in the financial district is its proximity to New York's harbor and rivers. For the residential tower rising at one seaport, Encumbered views are guaranteed. Unencumbered views are guaranteed for as long as the adjacent highway remains. Well, that's not going anywhere. One seaport has reached the 24th floor. Fortis Property Group is responsible for the development. The tower will eventually top off at 670 feet above street level, yielding nearly 200,000 square feet for 80 condominiums. Once complete, it will be the tallest waterfront tower in New York City. The 27th floor will become an amenities lounge with sauna and an outdoor pool. Let's talk about open houses this past weekend in New York City here. Here are the numbers with a respectable data set of 151 open houses recorded. The majority of the data came from Halstead agents, but agents from other companies who also participated in the survey were Corcoran, Compass, Brown Harris Stevens, Element Core, Warburg, Stribling, and City Habitat. So last weekend it was slow. 31 open houses had zero attendance. For the first time since October of 17, over 20% of open houses were not attended. The overall numbers uh, for Brooklyn and Manhattan tell an even clearer story. Brooklyn is hot. Manhattan is lukewarm. 5.59 average visitors um, for 20 open houses in Brooklyn versus just 2.76 visitors for all of 129 open houses in Manhattan. In Brooklyn, stronger than average are Park Slope, Brooklyn Heights, and Bay Ridge, but very low samples in the last two In Manhattan, strong open house attendance in the Central Village and West Village, Gramercy Park and Soho and Tribeca, uh, but there were small samples there. Surprisingly strong, the Upper East Side last weekend showed 3.4 visitors on average and shockingly slower weekend on the Upper West Side, just 2.16 visitors. Large samples in both, so it must be uh, accurate. 
Attendance in the under $2 million price range fell off dramatically, above $2 million and even more above $3 million. Surprisingly, strong attendance in properties labeled as REC were popular. There were 25 open houses in the sample. First open houses are always stronger, stronger uh, first-time visits. Now we can quantify it 117% stronger attendance on the first open house versus others on average. So that's the open house number situation. I don't know. How are you guys seeing uh, this accurate in your open houses or not? I've been, uh, I saw, I had two open houses which were not attended. <laughs> okay, I had, I had one which was not attended actually. So we, we had six and um, we had two that had none, um, but both of those apartments are having deals underway. So last week I had a $26.3 million contract signed week, which is Congrats. pretty great. Yes. And um, so I'm finding that people are making decisions, but the educational process, people are starting to pull back. They're like, we're going to see them come back if you haven't bought in September. The contract that was signed this last week, was that your open house that led to it? Or is that just a contract from a previous uh, th that's that was the market? three contracts. And um, the two two of those deals came from open houses, but not last weekend. Gotcha. They were seeds planted a couple of weeks ago. Right. It's true. Sometimes people seem to be almost a little bit dismissive of open houses, thinking it's really just for the looky-loos to come through. But I actually have had a number of deals that have come from people coming to open houses. We've also had very light attendance, um, a couple of our listings, some that are I've been on the market for a little while, something that is fairly brand new that we would have expected more than the one or two groups that came in. Um, so it, it's, it's an interesting market, but we are still getting deals done from people who are coming through via appointment, which is nice. I only have one active listing left, and the, the seller and I had a you know very open conversation just about the fact that it is June, and mm -hmm. we both collectively felt that you're going to get, you know, real buyers are going to make private appointments these days now that it's the summer. Uh, I truly believe that. I think that usually you will get buyers at open houses that will, you know, go into contract. I'm not saying you won't these days. I just think, you know, if someone is going to buy something, they will make an appointment. And I just feel that most people, whether they're buyers or not, are out of the city on the weekends now. Like, I think people are really trying to get away. We, we typically look at the previous year, but I don't think 17 and 16 are really years to be reflecting on no. normality. But I will say that we just made a team decision that we're going to do Sunday open houses for small apartments only and rentals. And we will move to a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening, 530 to 630. And I'm working Smart. particularly with Tribeca brokers for my Tribeca listings to earmark Wednesday nights for Tribeca. And then you work in the different strategy. location. Yeah. So is it for showing appointments or for midweek? Uh, actually, midweek. Try to drive okay, traffic great. because yeah. I'm finding Smart. that buyers, whether you're from six million down, they really don't want to be bothered. They want to be educated on their timeline, yeah. and they'll they'll let you know if they're interested. Mm -hmm. um, I still think follow up is important, but from an industry standpoint, I think this is where we can collaborate together. To try to bring success where, because we have a lot of pressure from our owners to perform and like, what's up? Why are we going on? Did we miss it? Should I take it out? Should I rent it? What, you know, and it's like, whoa, take a deep right. breath. <laughs> we came on the market a week and a half ago and we've had seven people through the door. I know it's not 27 That's people. actually encouraging. I would be happy right. with that. So, <laughs> but it is, it is also, I'm having some really uh, frank conversations around when they want to price it one way 
and you are going, listen, the data tells me different. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to have your process for a short wind of time, but thinking you have to realize that you're going to be put off by all the educated buyers. They're waiting for new Please products. agree to yeah. revisit the price in a couple of weeks if we're not getting the right feedback. Well, I, I agree with all of you, and I think deals, as Tracy said before, deals are happening, and a lot of them are happening through or because of open houses, and so that's the good news. The only thing that I see that's really uh, changed dramatically is the amount of weeks that you would need to be on the market, the amount of open houses that you have to have before one of these deals stick. So I can see it's so fun. <laughs> so I can fun. see so many people running around and running around and running around and checking out everything because, as we all know, inventory is uh, plentiful out there right now. So I think patience to our sellers, patience to our buyers, patience to us as brokers. We will get deals done. They are happening. Every Actually, every one of my deals... I'm, I'm, uh, last two to three months have all resulted from an open house, whether it was wow. a first visit yeah. or a second, third, fourth, in one mm-hmm. case, six times. Uh, <laughs> God bless you. The same wow. person. The and, same person. And two those points. occupied apartments, like where, where the owner was actually still living there? Yeah. Or staged. Or staged. Okay. Yeah, I had a couple of mine staged. Yeah. I, I think that, and you sort of hit on this as well, that maybe it's not a one-size-fits-all. Like you mentioned that in certain sub markets, uh, open houses work much better. Sure. Um, I think that's pretty key uh, because you yeah. know an apartment that is occupied and they really don't want to leave the apartment all that much, maybe that's the ideal time frame just to sort of funnel everybody into an open house. And the market and price is... Price points. And, well. and price points and like neighborhoods. And a million, uh, you, I've seen be, like 20, 30 people come through an open house. Correct. Have you but, recently? But, yeah. I still haven't. Seen I that. haven't seen but that you, since 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 April, beginning yeah. of May. There just aren't that many things, and uh, certainly in Manhattan, that are less than <laughs> than a million. Yeah, but, but, but look at the stats from last week, though. Upper East Side besting the Upper West Side. So you know you can't even really look at. We say this all the time. We're in a lot of different types of uh, markets. We're not in just a right. single type of market. We're in so many different markets. You know, Upper West Side market was always stronger than East Side. Now, last week, it seems like East Side better than West Side. Under 2 million, under 1 million, very slow. Whereby, in the past, that uh, price unusual. point is very, is very I've big. A, yeah. I have a friend who referred me uh, a listing, um, and, he, and now he's living in Israel, and he's, and he's working for a REIT. And he was, he was like, oh, it should be sold, and we should be having 30 people at each open house. I said, there's been nobody for the last two weeks. 30 people at each open house. Yeah. Wow. The what only pattern is there's no pattern. That's like the I mean, peak. that's what it is. 30 people. Wait, but like that, but the, upper like $700, the Upper East Side thing makes sense yeah. because now that it's more of a buyer's market, the Upper East Side is generally more affordable than the more Upper West Side. So I think that that makes sense, actually. And I think you also have to remember the Upper East Side has a much higher concentration of volume. So sure. there's sure. more pressure when you have have a vertical in a 1960 building it's not the new shiny penny how do you stand yeah. out and how do you stand out when you're a cookie cutter and you know they're 12 in your 202 unit building and you got to be competitive yeah. also i have comments on two things that louise said earlier good points really good points so your wednesday open house thing that's an awesome idea because i've been hearing from a lot of brokers lately that you know, Thursday open houses are dead because people are packing after work like, to leave, go leave, leave on Thursday Friday night, morning even. right, or leave on Thursday night. And then you brought up rentals. I know Phil's not here yet, but and I never talk about rentals, but I will say my rental listings have been flying my over the last month. Like, like, it's summer. They should oh be my fine. God. It's the time. East Village is on fire. Wow. All right, we have to hold it there. Come back after the break. I want to continue this with a few more thoughts. We have to leave it there. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Everybody, we are back, and I'm here today with Matthew Cohen from CORE, Louise Phillips Forbes from Halstead Real Estate, Sean McPeak, Halstead Real Estate, Phil Horrigan, Freely, uh, and LeaseBake.com, Tracy Hammersley, Douglas Elliman, and John Harrison is returning to us today from CORE Real Estate. Welcome, John. All right, so we're talking about open houses. So to follow on to that, you've got your first open house scheduled, and Mother Nature has decided to dump either several inches of rain or snow on the day. Uh, It's uh, your first showing. Uh, Will it be a washout? Or perhaps your serious buyers are out there planning to check out some prime apartments. Uh, Is there any competitive edge gained by showing up when other prospective buyers won't bother? So if you're really seriously looking for an apartment, does it make sense to go to an open house? even on a bad, terrible day. As I say to people all the time, if you're looking for decent exposure, light in your apartment, and you go out on a bad day and you can still see stuff in the apartment, that means that it only gets better when the sun comes out or the rain stops. So, you know, what is the feeling here on first open houses, buyers out there looking seriously or not? Uh, I think I think there's a huge benefit to going when the weather is uh, very bad because if especially if it's a brand new property and it's well priced you might have competition if there's a lot of people there so i've i actually won a bidding war six years ago uh because we were the first people through the door on a rainy october day uh and it it paid off big time because there weren't any private showings before we uh we signed the contract yeah i i guess i never really understand why people don't go out on bad days i mean if you need to buy something want to buy something have to buy something what's the difference put a raincoat on and i happen to think that it actually reflects somebody's mindset, number one. I had an owner for 16-something million dollar penthouse, this is one of my contracts signed, who did not want to show it because it was cloudy and she has this magnificent Mm -hmm. penthouse. Mm -hmm. 
1185 Park Avenue. And I'm like, no, 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 we're showing it. And that's the person who bought it. On the cloudy day. My line is that, you know, if you like it like this, this is as bad as it gets because it's actually a good thing to see because if it's not too disappointing, the light is only going to be that much better when it's full force. 100%. And I think that if, if, if somebody is really not going to go out and buy something just because it's raining or snowing that day, then I, then I think that that sort of tells, tells you something about their interest level. Um, I think there's a huge edge as a buyer to get out regardless of the weather if you're really trying to compete. But then I've, I've had sellers that have asked me same thing, like, do you really want to put this on the market this weekend when the weather's going to be bad? But exactly what you said, Tracy, is it gives us a chance. Let to me ask a, let me ask a question of all of you uh, with regard to the, I guess, the, the mindset or the temper, temperament of sellers today, because I'm, I'm hearing from sellers, you know, probably more so than ever. And is it a reflection of the current marketplace because they know as much as we know or they observe and see as much as we see? We still know a little more. Come on, Vince. No, Give no, yourself no. some credit. No, 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 we do. But I'm just saying, like, they'll say, is this the right day to go on uh, as for, you know, first open house? Is, this, is it the right market? Well, should I do this or should I do that? I mean, they seem to be a lot more nervous about everything. And the minute, in one case, the minute open house ends, you get a text message. How did right. it go? That's true. How did that it go? So what's going on? Yes. So I think, what, 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 what's it, what does all this translate to? Um, Louise and I look at this a similar way, actually, I think, surprisingly. Um, we, we, we both have our package. Like, I think every really good broker has a package that works for them when they're listing an apartment. And I always say to all my sellers, no matter what the market is, my package is always the same. The only thing that changes is our strategy on pricing. Like, I'm still going to go on the market on a Wednesday, probably, so we can do an open house on Sunday and create urgency between that time. I'm still going to do the same fantastic photos with the same photographer. You know, I'm still going to have the same strategy package-wise. It's just going to change price-wise. And, and for myself, I have a, a methodology that I feel very strongly about is that, you know, you have to have the mindset that you're seeking that educated buyer as well as the looky-loos or the people who are just commencing their process. So listing on a Wednesday, open house on Sunday, wrapped with an open house on Monday night, broker's open house lunch between Wednesday and Thursday. So your second shows can come in at that time and you create a sense of urgency because you have really, if you do it right and the market is is strong and pricing is key to that and we call it, you know, the, the three P's, you know, it's pricing, preparation and presentation. All of those things are really key. I love when you say that because it is so true. Uh-huh. And it's important to stick to it. You know, I, I, I hate when I'm trying to mentor people and, or when I'm meeting younger people in the business and they say to me, you know, what is your best advice for my first listing? Like, what is your best advice for when I'm listing one of my first few apartments? And I say, stick to your guns. Like, don't let the seller sway you. You're the professional here. You know, make those decisions with them, but don't let them sway you. I, I had a, I had a, nice. you know, I had a pitch with a developer last week who is using another team. They've been on the market for a while, and apparently the developer kind of lost his mind a few weeks ago and and decided, I'm just, like, right, I'm just freaking out. Nothing's happening. You know, tell me what's happening. And apparently the sales team 
what went from doing no open houses to doing five open houses each day of the week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, advertise yeah. online. That's and funny. I said to the developer, do you want someone who's going to give you the best advice or someone who's just going to say to you, oh my God, you're so right. We need to do more open houses. Let's just do one every day. So we're not that. I don't agree with that. It's I, crazy. I don't agree crazy. with that. I have, I have the work with developers in the past who in, in similar markets have freaked out and have wanted open houses you know, eight hours a day, seven days a week. I don't know what that, you know, does because, in my opinion, it, it makes did you nothing. Look silly unless you have like a thousand unit silly. rental building. It right. doesn't right. make sense. Right. Well, that that's mm-hmm. different. Such so a good real estate but, world. Word silly. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add a I'm gonna add a V to uh, uh, Louise's three Ps. But uh, having like the follow up, uh, <laughs> having the follow up open houses and and broker opens uh, actually adds like a level of urgency and validation to the buyers. And I think it's really important for buyers to be validated by other buyers. So they know what the market prices are and they feel good that there's other people that are actually interested in what they're interested in. Absolutely. Vince, I agree. You start off by asking about sellers, seller's mentality, you know, and like, what are they thinking? Should I list on this day or should I list it all? Uh, I have had some discussions recently with investors where there's just nothing happening. And there's a, like, to me, a legitimate question of, do you list now or not? Like, is the market, or do you rent it? You know, so when someone is not a, an owner where they have to sell, there is a legitimate question where it's like, do you even put it on or not? Like, the, to me, there you have to have that discussion. Well, and I think also with to that is I have a client now who's leaving to go to Florida for a four-year contract. He has an apartment he loves. And I'm like, I don't know why you're selling it unless you want to do a 1031, then let's rent it for two years, and we'll sell it later. Now, the problem with that right now is we're going to be in a different interest rate environment. Mm-hmm. So my job is to educate him to say, look, what you're buying, to, what somebody's buying today on a price per interest rate is not going to be the same in 24 months, and your buying power is going to shift. Therefore, your half a million dollar profit today, which is, by the way, exempt from a taxation standpoint, to me, that says you should take the money now, even though you want to come back to the city. I also think I, sometimes I found people... myself telling a couple of sellers, excuse me, Matt, one second. Uh, excuse you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're the host or something? So, okay. <laughs> I find myself telling a couple of sellers who are pretty angry. He's getting a rambunctious, right? <laughs> that it's not necessarily <laughs> right for them individually to sell. I've talked to people out of selling this week because it really is not the right thing for them to do at the moment. So, you know, do you maintain that relationship? Of course you do. Will you get that sale next year or six months from now? Of course you will. However... You have to do, as, as, as Louise said, educate your, your sellers uh, as, as well as your buyers to let them understand really what is right for them, what is not right for them at the time that you're having conversations with them. Neither of these two have to sell immediately. It's not like they're, they're transferring and they have to go someplace so they can afford the time to wait until the market is best on their side. And, and, and I'll just close on the idea of, you know, I with my little three Ps, etc., I also say... Really, once you've educated them, you also have to remind them to have faith in the process. Yeah, exactly. Because what's right for their neighbor and their friend is not necessarily what's going on in their own personal life. That's a tall cocktail right now, but you're absolutely correct. But to be realistic for agents out there, it's very difficult when you're in a market like this, when sellers um, are freaking out a little bit and when owners are a little... Um, worried and nervous. I, I think the word nervous stands out because don't get me wrong, I love my clients. I have some of the best clients in the world, but who are very loyal to me. But three weeks ago, one of them called me an investor, like Phil said, 
And I rented, you know, his apartment out for the last four years. And he said to me, you know, I'm getting engaged. I really would like to have a little more liquid handy. Um, should I'd like to sell this potentially? Do you suggest either selling or renting? And I highly suggested renting um, for another year at least. And he just put it on the market a few days ago with a big team. Um, so, you know, it's very hard. It's very hard to just be able to give someone the best advice you can and have them have faith and trust you because, and I got to tell you, I think they listed high and I think he'll learn the hard way. Yeah, but, well, that, but you also have to remember, you have to remember that sometimes you have to be listening for what they really want to hear and, you know, speaking your truth and then say, however, if you want to roll a dice and you want me to try, we could collaborate for a short time, no, no pressure, no strings, test the market. I think that's the the key is number one, really tr- trying to figure out what they need uh, and also what they say because they're not always the same and sometimes the truth mm-hmm. is somewhere in between. I, I say this for both, um, and I Absolutely. usually do not like doing that because it can create confusion. But um, this is one of those markets where it's probably a good idea to do both. I was actually going to get say crickets that, on that sale listing, but it's going to fire on the rental. And I actually disagree. We've been doing that for years, actually, in different markets. Our team has often had concurrent listings, both for rent and for sale, because sometimes one drives the other. I've absolutely been in a situation where we've had someone that had leases ready to go, and then the owner really rather would would have would have sold. And a buyer came in who was on the fence and said, "This is your chance. If you don't, if you want to be able to buy it before it's leased for two years, you got to move now." And they did. So often, one can inform the other and actually help the other. Yeah. And well, sometimes you get a better offer than you'd expect on the other side. I, I have, for whatever reason, I'm not sure what this is based on, but I always feel that it demonstrates a sense of desperate. Like I'm desperate. I got to do something. I got to take some action. That way, but We're it's flexible. I, I get it. I Bring me it. the right offer. It's either the make me sell price or the make me rent price, you know, and so hopefully it's, it's how you spin it, right? I see where you're coming from. I think there's a lot of different ways to look at that situation, which is actually why I'm not a fan of it, because I think that it confuses people. I think that there are, like, we just talked about so many different ways of looking at that. So think about it as a buyer. I mean, it sometimes just makes Sometimes they don't even confused. know if it's listed, though. If you're only looking to buy, you're not True. checking the rental Good listing. Point. So sometimes they don't even aware. You yeah, know? all right. But listen, we have to take a break. We'll watch the last of our productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will continue on the other side of the break, so don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
Matt Cohen from Core, Luis Phillips Forbes from Halstead Real Estate, Sean McPeak from Halstead Real Estate, Bill Horrigan from Freely and Leasebreak.com, Tracy Hammersley, Douglas Elliman, and John Harrison returning to us today from Core. Bill, yes. give us a quick update on what's happening with Freely and with the latest uh, Trulia, I guess, and uh, Street Easy announcements. Trulia. 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 Did they announce something? Trulia. Um, Zillow, excuse me. Oh, Zillow. Zillow. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Same company. Same, same company, same right? Thing. All right. on the same podcast. So, Freely is live. Freely dot com, freely dot com, the phonetic spelling of the word freely. So that's that's live, and um, we're in beta now, but it's live, and it, it, you know, you, a, a site that you all could use. Please go on there. You can go on your phone. It works great on mobile. Um, and as as far as your exclusive listings go, they hopefully will appear soon. Rebney is meeting this week to approve freely to take your listings the same way lease break takes your exclusive listings. Uh, so hopefully all your listings will appear automatically. You don't have to post them. And um, that's I guess through the RLS, correct? That's through the RLS, yeah. Which I've always, I said, it, I, I believe is a game changer and can be a game changer in terms of making things, putting things on a level playing field Absolutely. with, with StreetEasy. Um, the final thing is, for now, I'll say I there's there's been a lot of I got a lot of emails and there's so much energy out there uh, about how could agents work together and kind of just just kind of push back on what's happened over the last year. I mean, it's just like wow, could could one person have so much power over? Can us, you, you know? recre- recap what's happened in the last year for the audience that may not know? Just I, two sentences. I mean, the, the two sentences is there was a company called Street Easy. And they, they, <laughs> and they defined, this is going back years, defined transparency in New York City. And I thought it was a great thing. A lot of people thought it was a great thing. Consumers thought it was a great thing. And then Zillow bought them and slowly changes, changes were made. And now, from my perspective, they're almost the opposite of that. They're going after... I mean, greed, pay to play, money, which means that it's not a real marketplace anymore. The listings that are, you don't even know. You can't trust it. You can't trust it. Uh, Because look, once I started charging brokers for listings, now brokers are gaming the system. They're not putting all their listings on there. I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate because I'm someone that I I think we all are full of integrity. And I want there to be like a, a marketplace that is just, it's just full of integrity where you could trust the listings. Consumers can trust them. And so, like, let's bring integrity. Let's bring integrity, integrity back to real estate listings in the marketplace. So that's what we're all trying to do here. That's what I'm trying to do with Freely. I started this this four point pledge. That's kind of you know of transparency. That is is what Freely is based on. And I would also mention that. Um, so because of all this positive energy that's come out of this, I mean, look, there's a lot of anger, obviously, but I think there's a lot of positive that has also come out of it. Um, I started this collaborative agent network, which is is just like more agents are joining it every day. I don't know exactly what it's going to become yet, but I know that ultimately, if agents work together, especially if you know those who believe in transparency and just are so against what's been going on in the last year, I know we can make things better. So, if you have any questions, you want to join that, you email me. It was on an email I sent out last week. I'm not sure if you got got it. You have to just click to subscribe, and then I'm going to start to like get this group of people together, and just we'll start we'll start working together. I'm not, again, I'm not sure exactly what it's going to become, but I can't tell you how many emails and comments or whatever I've received over the last few uh, few months about all this stuff. Well, you you've you've been championing this cause really well. So the the website is uh, freely.com. Phil Horgan, owner, creator, CEO, whatever. 
uh, be in touch with Phil. Matthew? I actually thought of Phil um, last week because, for better or worse, um, it's not it's not a you know good and bad thing. I was noticing with my rental listings on TreatEasy that almost ninety, I want to say ninety eight to ninety nine percent of the uh, people having you know sending requests and and emailing me about them are direct tenants. Like I noticed mm. that almost mm. none of them are represented by agents. It's really true and. Obviously, you know, of course, um, but okay. So under 10,000, um, you know, obviously bad thing for, you know, agents in general. Um, but also you can tell that agents are really rebelling against street easy. I think it's more of a rebel thing with street easy. you know, I think that if, cause every single request I got from an agent was a direct email or calling me mm-hmm. instead of using street. I don't know about y'all, but I feel uh, relieved when I don't have a rental listing up because the clock keeps rubbing out to- on uh, you're rubbing out on me. Yes, you are. But <laughs> no it's problem. true. I mean, I, I closed my last rental deal, I think, earlier this week, yesterday, and no more rentals on, on, on my website or on StreetEasy. So it's kind of like you feel good about that, but yet you want more business. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like, what goes on? Um, Vince, we so talk freely. About, yeah, freely, yes, freely, please. Any, um, go ahead. Are you going to talk about the street, the latest StreetEasy news that the realtor reported? Go ahead. Uh, I, I don't want to stomp on... No, no, go, 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 go. No, so uh, yesterday it came out that a letter has already been drafted, uh, which is from the Department of State to StreetEasy, essentially saying you can't do this, and essentially saying you have to be more transparent so that when a buyer clicks on that, you know, contact agent, contact agent. it's going to say, like, a warning is going to pop up. You're, it's going to say, like, you're not contacting the listing agent. Are you aware of this? That's, That's a, a game so changer. Right, it's a game changer. Now, here's the thing that drives me insane. Think about the value system of StreetEasy or Zillow. They've known this for a year. We've been screaming. We're their customers. Mm-hmm. We've been screaming at them for a year. They had to wait for the Department of State to have a ruling about this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, you know. Many, 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 baby. Well, listen, it's any, and anybody is going to push the envelope in any business yeah. all mm-hmm. the time. They don't have so, to. They're all businesses where you did ethics involved, principles and values. Well, you know, and what happened so, to that? Look like, at us. We, we, we could build our business. We all real estate agents could build their business in an unethical way, but we don't choose to do that. We no, choose we don't. to do it because in an unethical unethical way. Because unethical doesn't last. It's not life-lasting, and so. you really get burned, burned by that. But at the end of the day, you know, people will push until they can. Until, um, you know, whoever comes around and says, sorry, slap on the hand, can't do that anymore, move on, move off that platform and, and whatever. All right, so let's move on and talk about New York City. More than 264,000 people moved to New York in the past year. This, according to StreetEasy. Not true, and not true, not true, And they're not coming true. in from all over. 35% of these New Yorkers came from abroad. 65% came from within the United States. That's certainly a large influx of people moving to this city, uh, just about 3% of the city's overall $8.5 million population. And it adds to the number of people moving around in general. Nearly 900,000 New Yorkers move in a given year, the majority of which are moving within the five boroughs, the report said. Uh, a previous report looked into where these once New Yorkers are moving uh, to and found that many of them are trading, uh, in, life, trading in life in the Northeast from places like sunny Florida or California. So my question to everybody is, with the tremendous cost of living here in New York City, more than any place else in the world, why is this, why is this town still a magnet for people who want to be here from all what, around the world? What, one word, 
opportunity. I just want to just share a quick little story. Land of dreams. It is it is the American dream. I came here with 800 bucks in my pocket and I run a 200 million I came here to dance by the way. So did you really? Yes. Yes, she did. I used to say 10 pounds ago but not now. Um, <laughs> it, it, give yourself Anyway, she's anyway, gorgeous. I'm just going to say that um, you know, I, I just did a panel at LaGuardia College. I do. I, I have a work with a nonprofit to intern those kids. You and Jackie. Yep. Yeah, and I had. Um, we, there were fifty-four kids there. Every single one of them were came here not speaking English. Wow. One kid spoke. Came here three years ago. He graduated. He in that panel discussion that I was talking about building a business and <clears throat> and talking about opportunities and and work ethic and. Um, this kid was accepted. He was waitlisted at Princeton, waitlisted at Harvard, and he got into Stanford. Amazing. And um, it, while we're in that event, and so I, like myself, this kid is going to go places. And New York is just a petri dish for the okay. driven people who want to be successful. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean um, that the cost of living isn't going to be a cause and effect, but it creates opportunity for new neighborhoods, which is what my development business was built on. Or even that everyone who comes here is going to find that success or find that dream that they've searching for from maybe very young, young and years. Then, but, but, and then more but, specifically, I think it also has to do with just all the commercial building going on. You know, I think that a lot of companies are now making their home bases in New York. There are a lot of big news about that. You have Hudson Yards. You have a, a huge Tishman Spire campus in Long Island City. Um, you have the Navy Yards. You have WeWork buying up everything they can. Everything. I mean, that is all people moving here to work in those offices. So there's a ton of relocation going on as well. It it is also the the fact that um, people are working differently, which is why there's giving birth to this new mentality of work, co-work spaces. But I really want to talk about the real estate game that is happening with the evolution of neighborhoods and the gentrification of neighborhoods. Those little guys in Brooklyn or Sunnyside, Queen, or what's now happening in Mott Haven, Bronx, is is really the American dream. Those people that sh- saved whatever they could save and paid $50,000 for a building that is now beyond their wildest dreams. So it, it does, it, it changes, but change is good. It helps us be survivors that we are. I think New York uh, City has always been transient. It is transient. It will be transient. There are those people that, that, were born here, grew up here. I think I read recently that 60,000 more births each year than there are deaths. Um, but even in down cycles of real estate, like in the 2008, 2009 timeframe, our population continued to increase. And so like whether, whether there are really 200 some odd thousand people moving in each year, I, I don't know. What 55, I mean, but, yeah. 55, it may be a big, but, that sounds <laughs> but, but either way people come here um, it, as a destination, but really more as a journey to the dream. Uh, and so they come here and then they move out because they want to expand or do something Correct. else. Correct. And I was going to ask each and every one of you to think about, you know, the reasons behind. I don't think any of us are native New Yorkers, New York yeah. City, New Yorkers. I mean, I'm from My New York. Kids are from me. Your kids uh, are. I'm from Texas. <laughs> but, but, but think of, you know, the reason why, you know, we all settled here, you know, from, yeah. from back to, John and I were talking about this before air. I mean, you know, from a little kid, I, and I can't remember, you know, wanting to live anywhere else. Someday, I was very happy living, you know, in my family, in the home, whatever. But, you know, I always aspired to do more, to be more, 
to live a different life than the typical suburban, you know, environment that I was in. And so, you know, here I am 35 years later in New York City uh, and not regretting a day of it. And, you know, as John and I were also talking about, you know, on the flip side of that, there were the stories that say, you know, people are now looking to leave or in droves wanting to leave the city because after you put so many years in town and you do your thing and whether you're retiring or whether you're just fed up, you know, there are those that still want to move on. So I ask all of you to just think about why you came here originally and, you know, uh, are you still living that dream? Did you achieve the dream that, that you set out for? I mean, I set out to do lots of other different things. But yet, I still feel successful in what I'm doing today. Good, it's good. like my third career, but it's not what I wanted to do, and that was acting and broadcasting and all that kind of stuff. And so Hello. now I'm a real estate agent. And 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 by the way, <laughs> broadcasting, yeah, later later in life, of course. And not to twist it around, but New York is also teaching others. I mean, you know, to look at other cities throughout the country, they're yeah. trying to be more like New York, in my opinion. Oh, you know, totally, it, totally uh, like the entire world. Like L.A. Now, the hot place is down. Downtown LA, like everyone wants to be more urban, you know, Chicago, like everyone now wants to be in the loop, you know, look at places like Austin and Dallas, you know, these places want to be like New York for a reason. Where does everybody want to be in New York? Oh, Everybody, I mean, everybody wants to come. We, when we moved here from Austin, um, we thought we'd live here for maybe a couple of years. Oh, you're from Austin, and uh, yeah, I'm from Austin. Yeah. Uh, and now, like 14 years and three kids later, we're still here. And our family, my wife's family from Virginia, my family in Texas, they're always asking, like, when are you guys going to move back? And we keep thinking. You know, this is fun. It's, it's <laughs> exciting. Well, it's, it's, it's raising interesting kids. You're, it is you're so, so much. amazing. So all I right. think that's the stimulation that draws people I don't think we have enough time, Vince, for us all to go into our own stories. That's a really big, thoughtful question. We, we, next time, but we have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
480-486-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. It's Sean, Phil, Tracy, and John Harrison joining us today. So, let me ask, you are running out of room in your apartment and you think it is time to expand and start looking for a new place, but you love your apartment... You love your building and you love your neighborhood and don't really want to move. So what are your options? Can you buy your neighbor's apartment either on the side of you or up or down a floor? Can there be, uh, will there be those opportunities? What would be the issues of maybe combining in your own apartment house? I know Louise has done this uh, brilliantly, but you know, you really don't want to leave your building or your neighborhood or your apartment, but yet growing kids more space is needed. What do you do? What do you? How do you consult or counsel your uh, your buyers and or sellers in this case with what to do? I know I've been asked that question a couple of times in my career, and it's 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 a hard one. I think I think that we have to understand that you you got to look at it as a as a as a complete project, and you have to be careful not to be the white elephant. And I mean the biggest asset with the only one where everything else around you so if you have a 10 or a 15 room apartment and everything else is like a you know a three a, a, a three room or a two bedroom and they don't they don't want to keep investing in the building because they they might not be able to afford it i also find that you have to make sure when you're doing these combinations that you can create a, a an element of grandness that you can't always do and lastly you have to be careful about what the end combination of your, what your maintenances are. I mean, I do. I, I convert entire buildings and I put them together and reinvent the layouts for them. When I did my duplex, it's not always one plus one equals three or four. It's sometimes two point two five. You know, and as long as you're candid with your with your bot your your owners to help them make that advised decision. For myself, I created a kitchen that was 20 by 16 with three huge windows and a six by six foot island. That's really unusual in New York City. It's bigger than some studio apartments. Yes. And uh, I was going to say, and it doesn't always work. You may want to stay in the building. You may want to come. You you wish you could combine because you need more space, um, but it doesn't always work. I had so I, I had a one bedroom actually, let's say a large studio, and the one across the one across the hall was available. There was only two units per floor though. It was like one of these walk up buildings. And the two units did attach. The bathroom's attached, actually, behind the wall. <laughs> and we had it like an architect. And, kind of, and the only way this would have worked would have been if the two apartments were attached via a very long, narrow bathroom, which would have been ridiculous, you know. 
So we decided not to do it. <laughs> Sometimes from an architectural, architectural uh, standpoint, it doesn't work. I think I've told the story on here on the air before. I lived in a studio also on the east side, and uh, the one above me became available. I'm sorry, the one below me became available, and I wanted to duplex and make it a nice duplexed one-bedroom and a beautiful co-op on the Upper East Side, East 72nd Street. And the architect, the building's architect, and then my own guy said, well, you know, there were very high ceilings, and to... You know, uh, you know, fire drill, pole. Dr drill through yeah, cement and then a big staircase to go up to the second floor or down to the, the second floor, whatever, would have been a little too much. So we scrapped those plans. And as Louise said, too, what I wasn't even thinking about in those days was, you know, the, the maintenance is now double because mm. it's the same apartment, same footprint, same amount of maintenance. Uh, and it would have been times two because now you're taking a second apartment in the building as a co-op. You're responsible. I thought, oh, well, there's got to be some kind of a discount because I'm going to be living in two apartments, really, uh, as one. And, not and not so much. And please take your time. If you're considering combining, don't rush into it. I um, I had a showing yesterday in Midtown East. Funny that we're talking about this. Um, for a combined apartment. And the broker, who, very nice guy, but he was he didn't explain it well to my client. And it's a very, very <clears throat> wide split two-bedroom. Um, the living room is just very wide. And so the broker, the first thing we, uh, he says when we walk in, he goes, so the owners combined this. They wanted to make it a three-bedroom but it, they just couldn't make it happen. Oh, no. And my client was like, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a successful story. <laughs> like, it was just kind of like a wah-wah. <laughs> Some of them are. Well, Believe yeah. me. I think that, I think that um, it's important when I do, I'm, I'm advising a couple people now to do, who have two six rooms and trying to create a 12 room off of Fifth Avenue. Wow. And, um, and, you know, they're going to create a double master. They're going to do a double living room. They're going to have a big family room off of, of their kitchen. And it's really like the differential of $5 bucks or less than $5 million to what them to purchase, they would have to spend between 7 and 8 and also, you're seeing a bunch of developers right now combining apartments or offering combination apartments in new projects because they're having they're not having success selling them individually. I I noticed or, that with two of the last remaining units at two twelve fifth, there was a lot of press about it. I mean, I, so that's interesting. I think that that's only sparingly because I think in some cases, you know, because the market is is kind of cuckoo over two, three, four million dollars that I've seen some larger apartments be split up into smaller apartments because they seem to be selling faster. But, I mean, you're always going to have a little bit of each. But, but, but I think what I wanted to get to with this particular story is you don't have to leave your apartment. You don't have to leave your building. There are combination uh, alternatives as long as it works for you and the floor plan works. But you always, of course, have to have the right people, uh, professional people, looking at the floor plans to make sure that you're not going to knock the building down because, you know, there have been stories where... Uh, serious infrastructure dam damage has happened. John, you want to say? Yeah, so I have some clients that um, purchased, uh, they knew they were going to expand. They purchased a single unit and then they decided to purchase the unit underneath them. And the goal was to expand. They were going to punch a hole through the slab. And when they realized just how much it was going to take to get this done on a building that's already occupied, it, it can be really, really tough. I mean, you're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars minimum just to like, you know, do some basic hole and and something basic, but then the building has to approve of this, and depending on how thick the slab is, uh, it, the concrete layers, they may not approve. So they ultimately ended up waiting, 
and buying the neighboring apartment. So now they have three apartments and they did a combination there that was beautiful and they were they were actually really glad they didn't go the other route. But I've seen duplexes. I did that vertical. Look amazing. I did a duplex. They look really, really good. I think you just have to figure out what your capacity is, how much capital do you have, can you wait and buy you know, just to make it look exactly mm-hmm. the way you want it. My, my building allowed me, and I would not purchase without conceptually understanding to where the staircase would go. And then they had a very specific location in steel, uh, you know, how I was handling the steel. My building's a 1926 building, and it was an 8 by 8 opening. But it forced me to put the staircase in a place that's logical, but I couldn't envision closing off my service entrance to not have a kitchen. So my kitchen is all the way on the other side where a bedroom and a bathroom was. But it is as though it was designed that way. Meaning, sure it works. You know, so it worked really beautifully, but it was not a natural thing for me to think through this. And Vince, just to get back to what you had said, um, I would actually advise everyone, if you are thinking about um, looking to stay in your building, knock on your neighbor's door, send, slip a note. Or if you're looking to list your apartment, I would say first talk to your neighbors on either side of you, above and below you, because you never know. They might be just waiting for that, and they would be incented to pay more than perhaps the market rate. And right. talk to your broker about it. I mean, I have clients that come to me, and they say they want to do certain renovations, but hey, John, listen, what will this do to our resale value? We want to spend this many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Will we get a double or triple back? And sometimes I'll say, no, actually. What Save yourself some time and trouble. Don't do that. So right, yeah, I, I, just I, I feel like consult. I do a renovation once a week. All right, we have to end it there. I, I just, wanted, I, just wanted to point out, we have a big platform here, and I wanted to mention that last week, the food industry, TV industry, and the fashion industry lost two giants to suicide, Kate Spade so and Anthony Bourdain, CNN host of Parts Unknown. He took his own life, as did she. Very sad indeed. So the message here is if someone you know is struggling emotionally or having thoughts of suicide, please help them by getting them help. And they can call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. They are available 24 hours a day, 800-273-8255. That's it for me. We're out of time today. Thanks to my guest, as always, and the panel. Always remember how wonderful life is while you are in this world. Elton John and Bernie Taupin, thank you for that. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 